Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Father, we thank you. We bless and exalt you, Lord Jesus. We magnify your name, Lord. Once again, we come to receive instruction, wisdom, revelation from your word. Grant us, O God, that our heart be opened sufficiently to receive. And let the word be effectual in transforming and healing our bodies and souls. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're going to continue with... um, um, our thoughts on crucified the flesh. And this is uh, part two. We started that last week. There's going to be part number two. So our main test again is still Matthew 16, <clears throat> verse 24 to 26. And here in scripture, the Bible says, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he should gain the whole world and lose his soul? Or what shall a man gain in exchange for his soul? Now, the main thing we're dealing with is the issue of the cross and how we have always uh, believed that or we have always taught it to be. So the essence here is you take up your cross. Now, the common thing that we hear or we are taught is take up your cross and follow me. And like I said last week, this statement was made before he went to the cross. So if he was talking of taking up the cross, then the people took up their cross. It's not something that was left for us as it were to be doing today. Now, when we talk about talking of the cross, common understanding means to crucify the flesh. Take up the cross, crucify the flesh, or take up whatever burdens and all of that. And again, I have always mentioned that if you think it has to do with some specific burdens or problems or issues, as the case may be, then you must understand that there are three dimensions by which crosses can come to us. God can give you a cross. And I've always said that. Man can give you a burden or a cross. You can choose to pick a cross that doesn't belong to you. So now, the only difference is this. If the devil even gives you a cross, you are definitely be able to cast out the devil, design it and walk out of it. It's not meant to stay. If God gives you a cross, the only thing that will make you to know that this is a cross of God, for instance, is that he shows you the glory. Because Hebrew 12 tells us that. So for the glory that was said before Jesus, he endured the cross. If you have a cross you carry in and you don't seem to see anything at the end of the cross, it's not from God. If you feel there's a burden, in quote, that you're carrying, and you don't see the glory on the other side 
When you are done with the cross, then it's not of God. Because you find that even the children of Israel, while they were to go to the promised land, the Lord showed them what finally will be out on the other side. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. So God first gives you the end of your cross or the end of the cross so that you can be able to bear it by implication. The glory he shows you gives you the energy to continue because you always have the hope when I'm done, this is what I'm going to get. So if you are carrying a cross and you don't seem to see the end of it, there's no glory, there's no promise, then it's not a cross of God. But what we're dealing with actually has to do with what is commonly taught in the church that have to do with the issue of you crucifying the flesh. That's what we're dealing with here. Uh, last week, we, we went extensively giving a few one or two definitions on that and then we come to the place of Romans chapter 6, which I feel is one of the major, major scriptures that people talk about or look into or try to allude to in teaching the issue of the, the flesh and all of those things, as the case may be. We're going to start from verse number 3 from Amplified Translation or anyone you want to use. King James of Amplified. Romans 6 verse 3. Are you ignorant of the fact that all of us who have been baptized into Christ, Jesus, were baptized into his death? And this is a very strong and direct question. It's something that he wants you not only to understand, but to believe. Hallelujah. Now, I was trying to make you understand last week that you do not have any flesh to crucify because your flesh died. How many of you remember that? Yes. Your flesh died with him. You took it to the cross. When he said, follow me, you took it to the cross. By implication, when he was to be crucified, you were there together with him. So your flesh died. So you cannot be talking about crucifying your flesh anymore. No, you can't. Except you don't believe this. So that's the question he's asking here. And what's the question again? Are you ignorant of the fact that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Are you ignorant of that? Can't you know that? Okay, now let me, let me say something here. This baptism have nothing to do with H2O. Is that okay? Romans 5, Romans 6, Romans 7. You can see any mention of water in terms of H2O. Okay. When you are baptized into Christ, by implication, you have to understand that you died with him when he was crucified. Now, that means you were co-crucified. You were crucified together with him. Understand that? By implication, we died with Jesus. Crucified together with who? With Christ. When we are crucified together with Christ, it's like a co-crucifixion. 
But we say, when we say Jesus died for us, that means forgiveness. I want you to get that. Jesus died for us means forgiveness. But we are crucified together with Jesus means co-crucifixion. We died together. When he died, we died. Amen? And Paul is saying, are you ignorant of this fact as a believer? That's the question he's asking. So you see, the whole of Romans chapter 6 is a discussion of the process of your new man. What is the process? The death, the barrier, and the resurrection. Are you there with me? The death, the barrier, and the resurrection. And in all of this process, you were in him when he was being taken through those process. So when he went to the cross, you went to the cross. Spiritually speaking. He said, you have to come to believe. That's why Paul is emphatic. Are you ignorant of this fact? Praise God. When Adam died, I mean sinned, what happened? All sinned. Am I right? Everybody sinned when Adam sinned. Because you might be wondering, but I was not there. Jesus died 2,000 years ago. I'm just uh, maybe 20, 30, 50 years old. Yeah, but remember, when Adam sinned, you sinned. Were you there when Adam sinned? The answer says no. So why did you believe it? And in your believing that I'm sin, therefore you were a sinner, makes you act and behave like a sinner. Because that became your identity. So we say identity by association. You associated with somebody, you behave like that individual. Because there are only two men. Jesus and Adam. These are the only two men that have ever lived on the face of the earth. Praise God. Like I said... Baptized into Christ have nothing to do with Yeshua. Let me give you an example. Ephesians 5, 25 and verse 26. 25, 26. What did he say? Ephesians 5, 25. Husbands, love your wife. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Remember I explained this to you some time ago? That's the reason why Adam have to die. Because the woman sinned. Remember, Paul said Adam was not in the transgression. So, if Adam, as it were, had not given himself over to Eve by way of being punished together, probably would not have Jesus die for the church to save the church. Is that okay? Alright. Now look at verse 26. He did that, that he may sanctify and cleanse it with what? The washing of water by the word. So when you say you are baptized, it has nothing to do with H2O. Now, look at John 15 verse 3. Hallelujah. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken what unto you. Okay, let me give a little bit more 
Simply and clarified translation. Check with me, First Corinthians 10, verse Amplified Translation. Let's look at verse 1 to 3 from Amplified Translation. First Corinthians 10. And all of these, all of them, these Jews now, hear the same spiritual. No, start from verse 1. Start from verse 1. Okay. For I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, that our forefathers were all under and protected by the cloud in which God's presence went before them, and every one of them passed safely through the Red Sea. Look at the next thing. And each one of them allowed himself, follow it now, to be baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They were those, look at that, brought under obligation to the law, to Moses and to the covenant, consecrated and set apart to the service of God. That's what it means to baptize. When you baptize in a person's name, you're brought under obligation to that individual. Did you understand that? That is, you brought into the fellowship of being a disciple or somebody that obeys who that individual is. Okay, King James, give me First Corinthians chapter 1. Let's look at verse, uh, start from verse 9. Let me see. First Corinthians 1, from verse number 9. Okay, God is through by whom you were all called into the fellowship of his son Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 9. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of the Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no division among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Cleo, that there are contentions among you. And the Bible says, Now this I say, that every one of you said, at one of Paul, I'm of Apollos, and of Cephas, and of Christ, and the next thing says, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Look at the next thing. I thank God that I baptized none of you, but Crispus and Gaius. And the next thing says, lest anyone should say that I have baptized in my own name. And the next one I says, and I baptized also the household of Sephanon beside, I know not whether I baptize any other. So the point now is this, if baptism is what saves people, the way we've been taught, thinking that Romans 6 talking about water baptism, that means Paul, of all the churches established, none of them were saved. Did you understand what I mean there? Right. So, when he said you are baptized into Christ, and the name of Christ means you were brought into obligation by implication. You were made to come to understand and to become a disciple of Jesus. The one to whom you are baptized in his name, you are a disciple of that individual. You following this now? Right. So, that is, go back to Romans now, chapter 6 again. So, when Jesus died, you were crucified with him. You died with him. Amen? Right. So Paul is saying, are you ignorant of this fact? You better understand it, that you died when he died. When he was going to the cross, you were there with him. When he was buried, you were buried. When he rose, you rose with him. You rose a new person. The thing that was crucified was your flesh. 
So you don't have any flesh to crucify anymore. You can't crucify your flesh in the first place. He has to do it. You have to accept the fact that you died when he died. Is that okay? Okay. Now, in the simple term, the meaning of salvation is getting inserted or united or infused into who? Into Jesus Christ. That's salvation. Crucified with him. So, how do you get into this crucifixion? It's all that Romans chapter 6 is talking about. Salvation is just you being inserted or infused into Christ. You becoming one with him. No mixture. Just one. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. One lung. Amen. Praise God. Alright, go to verse 4. Verse 4. We were buried therefore with him by the baptism into death. Can you get it now? That is the baptism you're talking about. Not H2O. Romans 6 verse number 4. Are you seeing that? We are buried therefore. You got to understand that. We are not going to be buried. We were buried. This is past tense. So if your flesh was alive and you were buried with him, your flesh was buried. Amen? Buried therefore with him by the baptism into death, so that Jesus as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, so we might habitually live and become and behave in what? In newness of life. That's all. You died, you rose again. Who you are right now is a new being, is a new creature. I said that to you last week. Praise God. Are we still here? We walk in newness of life. Because we rose with him. My old man has to die. And that's what happened on the cross. My flesh, which was the old man, died when Jesus died. My original identity was a child of wrath. Amen? In my spirit, that was my original identity. Before I knew the Lord. So, God had to do something to that old man who was a child of wrath. Before I can become a son of God. Are you there with me? Good. You will children of wrath by your composition, by your attitude, by your conduct. And that's directly by the nature that you had. And so you were qualified for the anger of God. But God had to do something about this situation and transformed you. From being a child of his anger to a child of his beloved. So you are loved of God. Amen. 
Praise the Lord. So my old self was killed through the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And rose again a new being. Resurrection is your new birth. Your newness of life. You rose again. You died and you rose with him. You become a new person after resurrection. I said that last week. There is nothing in scripture that describes the world self. I'm going to explain to you as we progress what self stands for. When, when, when we use that in the church, we're using it. I will use the word out of content. It's not biblical. Because self, in the true sense of it, speaks of your ego. Of what you do to achieve success in life. That is self. Hmm? Anyway, I'll, I'll get you there. We talk about new nature. I mean, people talk about the, the, the two natures or whatever. You understand that? Old nature, new nature, whatever. You don't have that. You are just new. Amen? Praise the Lord. Okay. Look at verse 5. If we, for if we have become one with him by string a death like his, we shall also be one with him in sharing his revelation but a new life live for God. If we partook of that death, then we can also partake of a newness of life. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. Right. Now, the, the problem now is that you have to first come to believe that actually you died. And whatever you don't believe doesn't work for you. For as many as believe, he gave power. Power only works when you believe. Is that okay? So when you believe that you are a new creature, when your mind starts receiving it, that the power to live out the life of a new creature will be deposited in your life. It's all by association. Just associate with them. Praise the Lord. Now, now, now why some of this is so difficult for us to grab is we can't seem to see it. We can't seem to feel it. We can't seem to, I mean, it's not something we handle. But that's what scripture said. We walk not by sight, but by faith. Hallelujah. Look at verse 5 again. For if we have become one with him by sharing a debt like his, we also shall be with him in resurrection. This is just simple logic. If this happened, then this can happen. If I died with him, then I must rise with him or rose with him. If my old man is crucified, my new man is alive. It's simple logic. We don't need to argue it. 
You don't even need to argue the scripture. That's what Paul is trying to say. That's why he's using the word, are you ignorant of this fact? As a believer. Praise the Lord. When you died and he rose, did he leave you in the grave? The answer says no. You died with him, therefore he must have risen with you. In fact, he rose with you. He never left you in the grave. So if he didn't leave you in the grave, why are you thinking about the old man that was buried? So essentially, by the way we think as believers, we are working with a dead corpse. You know what it means? I forgot in this country. You know, when you want to go bury the uh, dead ones, they'll put them on motorcycle and pass them up and then drive them because there are no vehicles to take them to the cemetery or whatever. You know, so you see somebody alive riding a motorcycle and there's a dead corpse behind them. I think that's the way Christians behave. We carry dead people along with us. The man was buried. We refuse to accept the man died. So we're carrying dead corpse and walking along with him. Jesus said, I mean from the scripture, I said, Paul is explaining. When Jesus died, you died. And when he rose, he never left you in the grave. He took you along with him. Hallelujah. It is this resurrection life that makes him call us children of the resurrection. According to the book of Luke. So we are children of the resurrection. We rose with him. That's our identity. Praise God. In fact, God cannot call you my son except something has really happened. He's not going to call Adam my son, in quote. No. They are children of wrath, children of his anger. That's what the Bible says. Praise the Lord. Are you following what I'm saying here? Now, I want you to understand this. It's, it's, it's simple, but at the same time, it's difficult. It's a paradox. Why I say that is ability to accept it because all that you ever think about is what about this thing that I'm doing? What about this thing that I'm doing? What about this thing? What about this thing? You're always considering your actions, but the point is your action is not you. You're identifying with a response. And the fact of it is, it's coming from your thinking. Do you understand that? But your real you is completely different. You are a brand new person. Praise God. I mentioned that I think on Sunday. It's, it's the same line of thought. You see people say you are possessed or a Christian is possessed with the devil. I try to explain that to you. You know that's a wrong, wrong ideology. A Christian cannot be possessed by a devil. Because to possess means to own. How can a Christian own a devil? Or how can a devil own a Christian? Except you're not born again. If you're born again, you can't be possessed by a devil. Neither can you possess a devil. You are God's own property. You belong to Jesus. He owns you. Head to toe. 
You are his temple. He can't share his temple with another spirit. I don't know if you are getting this. It's not possible. Not at all. So you don't have two nature. That's what people think about two nature. They tell you the nature of Adam. Nature. No, you can't have two nature. You have one nature and it's called the divine nature of God. Hallelujah. You know, somebody would say, but David, this thing you're talking about, great men of God have been telling us about this. Yes, that's always the case with the issue of great men of God. It's not about great men of God. It's about what the Bible says. Amen. And so, when you use the word self in the church, it's a dirty word. Hmm? Now you self, self. You can't mention self in the church. Once you mention self in the church, it's a very dirty word. But there's nothing wrong with the word self. I mentioned that even on, on, on last week Sunday. I mean on, on Wednesday, Bible studies as well. What is wrong with self? If it's wrong with self, God can ask you to love your neighbor as you love yourself. How can he tell you to love what is wrong? Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Did God say so? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. That means you got to love yourself. How are you going to love yourself? You love yourself in Christ. You died, you rose again. You are a new being. You got to love the new man. Amen. No, I know this is hard, but that is the truth. <laughs> we can't change it. This is Bible. Go to verse number six. Verse six. It says, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. You can go to, just go to, uh, go to King James. Go to King James. Make it faster. Knowing this, that our old man, knowing it, you got to know it. That our old man is what? Crucified with who? With Christ, which has to do with the body of sin. Might be destroyed that henceforth we should not do what serves sin. There's a place for serving sin. When we get down, I'll be able to make you see that. But in Genesis 4, which is the first place that the word sin was mentioned. You remember that? Cain and Abel. Okay. If you've done well, why is your countenance falling? Where well, sin lies at the door, but that is that I have dominion over it. Sin is personified as the first place the word sin is used. But he said, you, have, you should have dominion. So what was it? How does sin come in? Sin come in through thoughts. Because Abel was thinking to kill who? I'm sorry. Cain was thinking to kill Abel, isn't it? It's the thoughts. Not even the act yet. The thought is the reason before murder. You are considering to kill Abel. I am saying this your thinking is wrong. Take authority over it. So how do you live as a new creature? Thoughts are coming to your mind which are not the thoughts of God. You rebuke it. You get out of it. In fact, you just say amen. That's not for me. That's all. I don't know if you're getting that. That is just it. The root of sin is thoughts. Nothing more than that. So he said, sin light at the door. It's crouching at the door of your heart, at the door of your mind. 
He's giving you suggestions. You're thinking of what to do right now. And that action you want to take is wrong. I'm desiring that you take authority over it. He give you the power as a new creature. So when thoughts are coming with another thoughts of God, remember Philippians 4. What did he say? Think on these things. If there's anything of virtue, anything of praise, anything of glory. Is that, is that not true? So anything that is not of that, take authority over it. That's all. Praise God. So we said the body of sin and destroy, which has to do with all of the old nature, all of those old attitude, whatever the case may be, they all died. Praise God. For he that is dead is freed from sin. You know what it means to be freed? Is justified. That's the original Greek. He that is dead is justified. Come on, man, help me. We are justified in who? In Christ. Isn't it? Justified and sanctified in who? In Christ. So understand the meaning. We are justified. That would mean to be freed from sin. And how did that happen? On the cross, barrier, resurrection, justified. You just need to accept it. Jesus justified me because I went with him to the grave. I was with him in the cemetery. We came back together from the other side. I'm a new being. Hallelujah. <laughs> now verse number, number 7. Okay, we read that now. For he that is dead, free from sin. Verse, verse 8 said, Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Verse 9. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead, died no more. Death had no more dominion over him. The body of sin have no more dominion over you. They all died. For in him that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Amen? Likewise, this is where I want. Verse 11. Likewise. Can you take it from Amplify? Just this verse. Verse 11. Even so, consider yourself also dead to sin. And your relation to it broken, but alive to God, living in an unbroken fellowship with Him in Christ Jesus. Even so, now go back to King James. He gives you the word, reckon yourself to be dead. You want to take reckon? You take record of your money or whatever the case may be. You know what it means to reckon? In those days, we used to have a book called uh, The Recorder or Recorder. You remember that? Those of you who were alive. In the 70s or 80s, there's one book called The Recorder. It's like your calculator today. You understand that? You, convert. you saw that thing too? Praise God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you find the answer there. So reckon yourself to be dead. That means you have to consider it done. It's a done deal. It's a done deal. Oh, praise God. You died. Yes, you died. Now, tell me what the dead man wants to do. 
You can't be much more alive by the things you ask to do. You only just need to recognize that I'm dead and that's all. I died and I'm alive right now. Praise God. Reckon yourself. So verse 6 said, the old man is crucified with him. Remember that is past tense. You were crucified with him. Past tense. That's number 6. Whether the body hasn't seen. But don't wait. You were crucified. That body was crucified. So how do you get free? From anything at all in life. Is death. Number is seven days fasting. Now I'm not against all of those religious things. But I'm telling you that those things does not do anything to your life. When it comes to the reality of who you are. You can't be free from sin because of fasting. Unless you are going to be fasting and fasting and fasting and fasting all the days of your life. You won't come out. Because you see, going to fasting for seven days, maybe you want to break, break a habit. Maybe a smoking habit. Right? So you want to fast to break a smoking habit. Yes, do seven days fasting to break smoking habit. By the time you come out, the first day you will not smoke, the second day you will not smoke, but on the third day, huh? cigarette is coming along the line. You're back. One of my uncle one time, not even a believer, he used to smoke that much. And he got to a point, he said, I would like to stop this smoking. Nobody preached to him. And so what did he do? He bought a bottle of granite. When a feeling of cigarette is coming, you start chewing granite. And that was just it. Did that the first day, did that the second day, did that the third day. As long as he was not feeling the cigarette. And then the next thing he said, this is money. Let me see how you are going to move my leg to go and buy the cigarette. And I'm not sending anybody. So he started chewing granite. For two, three days, he was free from the habit of smoking. I mean, it's just a decision. I don't follow what I'm saying. You have the power to decide against anything that is contrary. As long as you say, I don't want to do this, you won't do it. You have the power to stop it. So it's not about all those religious things. Don't see yourself, I'm dead. I can't do this, I'm dead. I can't smoke, I'm dead. I can't drink, I'm dead. I mean, not just talk. How do you overcome anything? Dead. Not by any of those religious things that we do. We come back again after doing them. Because there's no power in those things. Amen? Praise the Lord. <laughs> Everything about your freedom is tied to the death of who? Of Jesus Christ. Say, count yourself dead to that thought or issue that you're having right now. If you have any particular problem, right? You have an issue, you feel this issue should be dealt with. The other day, I, 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 somebody came to me and was talking about the daughter is not doing too well or whatever the case may be. But in particular sense, when we're still on the other side, um, there's this sister that brought this son to me. And he said, the father said, I should conduct deliverance that the child is not doing well in school. Okay, I said, that's all right. So when I was about to pray, the spirit asked me to ask a question. So, and I said, who are your friends in the school? 
And the boy begin to count the kind of friends that he have. And then the next thing the spirit told me was tell him to change the school. And that's all. And I, I told the woman, go tell your husband to change the boy's school. And that was the end of it. They changed the school, the boy picked up. So the deliverance I conducted was the counsel to change the school. Is it simple? Yeah, I didn't sweat. The boy didn't sweat. He didn't fall. But at least he got results. I don't know if I'm following this. Some of the things we think are spiritual things, they are just natural thoughts. Common sense will save you from some of those things. It's not everything you go about deliverance, this, that, this, that. No. Dead, dead. Anything, so I'm dead to that. I can do that. I'm dead. I'm dead men can't smoke, dead men can't drink. I mean, think about that. That is your, your security. Praise God. You're talking too much in the home. Try to find out. Do dead people talk that much? <laughs> they don't talk so much, they don't even talk. Amen? And you say, oh, where my husband only troubles me or my wife troubles me or whatever the case may be. Can a dead man respond to insults? That's a problem. So if a dead person can respond to insult, why will the quarrel continue? Amen. So you are dead to it, that's all. It's not how hard you try that sets you free, but as you follow what the Bible says and what Jesus has done, and that is to say he died. Remember, truth will set you free. What truth? Truth is a person. Jesus sets you free. I am the truth, he says. Amen? So, take up your cross and follow me. Simply means, follow me to Calvary. We're going to die together. Resurrect together. You become a new man on the other side. And that's exactly what happened. Amen? I said amen? So, in the whole of this, Paul is actually trying to say this. I'm not trying to ask you to follow Jesus to the cross. It is already done. You already followed him. So you don't have another cross to carry. Come on. Is anybody following what I'm talking about? Paul is saying, are you ignorant of this fact? Don't you know? So how can somebody be telling you not to carry your cross by way of crucifying your flesh when Paul is telling you you already did that. I don't know if you are following what I'm saying here. This is the whole excess. You already did that. You can't be doing it now. It is done. It's not asking you to kill yourself. You already died in Christ. You can't die twice. What we read that he died once to sin. It's once. You can't die twice. You died already. So you can't be dying daily. You died once. It is finished. You're dying daily. So continuously renounce if you will. From those thought patterns. But like I said last week. It's a struggle of the life of Paul. With the Jewish system. Jesus and you died together. 
there are only two ways to live. No middle ground, no option. It's either you are dead or you are alive. Amen? It's either you are dead or what? Or you are alive. You are dead in Christ. Simple. Or you are dead in sin, not to sin. Or you are alive unto Christ and unto righteousness. No option. So every wrong thought, like I said, you have authority to rule over it. Amen? You can just simply say, I'm dead to that. Desire to do this, I'm dead to that. And that's just it. Good thought becomes your yes at any point in time in decision making. Amen? Anything outside of God is wrong. Therefore, you have authority to say, I reject that. Anything that will bring praise, glory to God, yes. You also have authority not only to accept it, but to manifest it. Praise the Lord. Okay. Let's try to close tonight again by going back to read from the message translation. Romans 6 verse number 6. Could it be clearer? Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ. Period. Did you get that? Our old ways of life was nailed to the cross with who? With Christ. A decisive and toward to sin, miserable life no longer as since every back back and call what we believe is this. In other words, you are out of that. Praise the Lord. It can't be clearer, the scripture says. Amen? Go to verse 8. Verse 8 says, If we get included in Christ's sin-conquering death, who else get included, we also get included where? In his life saving. If we get included, that's what I was trying to explain earlier on. If you can believe that you were included, then you also must be included in his life saving. In other words, the life that saved, you are also part of the life that saved. Because you were on the part of the time that died. When he rose, you rose with him. Are you getting that? So talking about saving, life saving resurrection. Verse 9 says, we know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a signal of all the end of death as the end. Never again will death have the last word. Can I hear an amen? Verse 10 says, When Jesus died, he took sin down with him. Praise God. But alive, he brings God down to us. Hallelujah. Verse 11. From now on, think of it this way. Since speaks a dead language that means nothing to you. God speaks your mother tongue. And you hang on on every word. Amen. 
you are dead to sin and alive to who? To God. That is what Jesus did. Praise the Lord. Verse 12 says, that means you must not give sin a vote. Hmm? Not to cast your vote. You have your PVC, everybody. Don't give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Don't give it the time of day. Don't try it. Verse, verse 13 says, don't even run little errands that are connected with that old way of life. Throw yourself wholeheartedly and full time. Remember, you've been raised from the dead into God's way of doing things. Sin can't tell you how to live after all. Praise the Lord. You are not living under that old tyranny any longer. You are living in the freedom of who? Of God. Matter close. Is it true? Amen. See, all those who crucify the flesh, crucify, you don't have no flesh to crucify. You died with Jesus. Your flesh died with Jesus. Amen. And I illustrated to you the other time, if it's about pastor, there are certain things I cannot. Yes, what's, what's the problem? There's nothing wrong with that. Just recognize it. For a righteous man shall fall seven times and shall rise again. And not just that, every little toddler will grow to become a human being. What's important is this. You have your baby in your hand, just two months old. If it's a female, she's a woman. Because you have all the features of who? Of a woman. She has to grow from being a little child, from being a girl to becoming what? A woman. Everything that will make her a woman is already in her. So even if you say a woman, you are not wrong. Is that okay? So you are in Christ. Yes, you have some things that are troubling you. Man, recognize one thing. You are a child of God. You are a son of God. It doesn't change anything about your life. Your identity is your sonship. Nothing else. Praise God. And this is why sometimes you don't have the ability to pray as you ought to pray. I think I need to read the scripture. Ephesians 2. Hallelujah. Ephesians 2 verse number 1. King James. And says. Okay. And you had it quickened. You gave your life. When you were dead in trespassing and sins. Amen. Okay. Where in time past you walk according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now walketh in the children of disobedience. Amen. Okay. The next thing says. Among whom also we had our conversation in time past. In time past. Not now. In time past. Praise God. Did you see that? In the loss of our flesh. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh. And of the mind. And we are by nature the children of wrath. Even as others. Time passed. We had lost. What was the loss? Loss means desire. You desire to smoke. You desire to do this. These are lost. But what loss do we have today? We just love to serve God. We still have lost, but a different lost. I don't know if you are getting that. Yeah. You had lost to smoke. Now you have lost to give praise to God. You still have lost, but a different lost. Oh, glory. Look at the next in verse 4. But God was rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us. And verse 9 says, Even when we were dead in sins, have quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved. When we were dead, not when you are dead, when we were dead, is past sins. What's the next thing? I raise us up. Can I hear an amen? 
together with who? With Christ. And made us sit together where? In heavenly places in Christ Jesus. How many of you understand? We used to sing a song in those days. I think Lazarus and the brothers or whatever they call them. Draw me nearer, draw me nearer. That song is wrong. You are sitting together with him. You can be drawing nearer. It's not far away from you. You are sitting on the same place right now. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's not far. You are not looking for him to come tomorrow. He is right there with you. Man, you are having a very comfortable right position right now with you, with Jesus Christ. Praise God. Do you know what you are even doing right now? Romans 3.20. Let me see. Revelation 3.20. Let me see. If I can pick that up from there for you. Mm. Hallelujah. Therefore, is it Revelation I said? Sorry. Revelation 3.20. Hallelujah. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him. Into him. It is how we come in. I will come into him. And what happens? And I will do what? Organize the last supper with him. What did I have the last supper? On the same table. Did you get that? We are sitting together with Christ. We are in heavenly places. We are dining right now on the same table with him. So, how, how do you come about say, draw me nearer, draw me nearer, oh Lord, draw me nearer. You, you know that song? Yeah. <laughs> Praise God. I can draw you. What are you drawing you for? You are sitting together with, you must understand where you are. You must understand your position. You must understand who you are. You are sitting on the, if any man opened the door, I will come in to him. It is how we come in. It's like coming in and he's doing nothing. I'm coming into your life. And I will sup with him and he with me. How can you be sitting on the same table with Jesus and you're saying, draw me nearer? No, you are not far away. You are sitting together. We are in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And this is where you are supposed to be operating from. Oh, glory. Are you there with me? You know, sometimes you got to continue to look down. Somebody hung this on his, on his office. You know, the plague was just there. And the plague says, keep on looking down. And the person asked him, what's the meaning of this? He said, because I'm sitting up and the devil is under my feet. <laughs> Do you understand? There are certain things you really put in your home to remind you of who you are. So, as this guy stepped into his office, the first thing he says is, keep on looking down. Because he's sitting together with who? Christ. Where? In heavenly places. And the Satan is supposed to be where? On their feet. So keep on looking down. You are sitting somewhere. You are with Jesus. You are riding high in the heavens. You have authority. You have dominion. You are dead to sin. You are now alive unto God. Praise God somebody. Hallelujah. I'll see you again next week.
Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.